Abraham and his nephew Lot were very close to one another, and but they had problems. Their, their possessions had grown so large that they couldn't stay together. And so Abraham offers, he said, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You choose, and I will be in the other place. And so Lot chose the well-watered plain of Sodom, and he went and dwelt there. Uh, but Abraham, after this had taken place, God appears to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'm your exceedingly great reward. And uh, he reminds him of the promises. He says, look, at, look all around you. All the places you see are the inheritance that I'm going to give to you, that I have given to you. And so uh, he reminds him of, of who he is uh, and refocuses Abraham's attention on God's plan for his life. Now, sometimes we go through difficult times, maybe a season of our life that we weren't expecting. Maybe we go through a transition where uh, things are different. Uh, a while back, Sherry and I went through the transition of being empty nesters. And so now we're in that, in that stage of life. But perhaps uh, your transition may be uh, like a relocation. Uh, we've got a couple of families that uh, have contacted us here who are planning to relocate to this place. And uh, that's, that's kind of an exciting thing. But um, transitions can be exciting, but they can also be fearful. And Jacob is going through a pretty big transition. He's been living in Canaan for a long, long time. And now as an old man, he's going down to Egypt. And uh, in Egypt, God has a plan for his life. But Abraham didn't do too well in Egypt. He, he lied about Sarah. He said, she's my sister, even though she was kind of a half-sister. Um, he, he lied about it and said, you know, Pharaoh took her into his house. So Abraham failed, and he was rebuked by Pharaoh, ejected from the land of Egypt. So Jacob kind of remembers that. He remembers his father Isaac, who tried to go down to Egypt. Uh, God had rebuked him and told him to stay uh, in the land of Canaan. Uh, and then he, he got in trouble with the Philistines. And so uh, there's, there hadn't been a very good history of going down to Egypt. But God uh, appears to Jacob in Beersheba and speaks to him at night and says, Listen, don't be afraid. You go down to Egypt. I'm going to make you a great nation there. I'm going to go with you. I will be with you. I'll bring you down. I'll bring you back up. Uh, you're not going to stay in Egypt. And eventually they did bring the, the bones of Jacob back uh, to be buried in the promised land. So God gives him very specific direction and talks to him about how he's going to provide for him and about his intention, his plan for him in this new season and time of his life. Uh, did you know God's got a plan for every season of life? for us. He does. And uh, the scripture says every day is written in his book, so you can make that a lot more specific. God has a plan for every day, uh, but he definitely has plans for seasons in our lives, and uh, he definitely had a plan for Jacob. So we can ask God, Lord, help me to learn what I need to learn in this season, to be used in the way that you desire me to be used in this season. Help me honor you. Help me grow closer to you in this season and fulfill the purposes you have for my life. And so 
Uh, Jacob is going through this transition, but when we go through transitions, we need to trust the Lord, keep our eyes upon Him, and rest in Him because He has promised to never leave us or forsake us. So the title of my message is Encouragement for Life's Transitions. And let's look at the, the scripture here at verse 1 of chapter 46. It says, Israel set out with all he had and came to Beersheba, and he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. That night, God spoke to Israel in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he said. And Jacob replied, here I am. God said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you back. Joseph will close your eyes when you die. Jacob left Beersheba. The sons of Israel took their father Jacob in the wagons Pharaoh had sent to carry him, along with their dependents and their wives. They also took their cattle and the possessions that they had acquired in the land of Canaan. Uh, then Jacob and all his offspring with him came to Egypt, his sons and grandsons, his daughters and granddaughters, indeed all his offspring he brought with him to Egypt. So encouragement for life's transitions. How does God encourage us in times of transition and difficulty in our lives? Well, he reminds us, first of all, of the greatness of who he is. Uh, something happens here in the Hebrew that you don't pick up on in, in English because in Hebrew, the pronoun is understood in the verb. Okay? If you don't understand that, that's okay. Just know this. There is a special word that occurs three times, and it's the word I. And it's not necessary to understand the text. So God is, is emphasizing who he is. I am God, the God of your father, Abraham. The greatness of who he is. You know, God encourages us by reminding us of his greatness. Isn't it interesting that in the book of Philippians where Paul counsels the church at Philippi, he says, when, when you're anxious, don't be anxious for anything, but take those things to God in prayer with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, that thanksgiving part is how God reminds us of the greatness of who he is. As you thank God for the prayers he's answered, or you thank God uh, for his faithfulness. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with a problem. You say, Lord, I don't understand how to deal with this problem. I'm frustrated with it. Uh, but I thank you, God, that you're faithful and that you have perfect understanding. And even if I don't understand it, I can trust you in the middle of it because I know that you're able to handle it. And so as we thank God and we focus our eyes upon him, he reminds us of the greatness of who he is. Uh, I, I remember uh, just probably a month, six weeks ago, something like that. I was driving home, and uh, I heard that song, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And, and I, was, I needed to hear that song. And God just kind of reminded me, hey, I, I'm the God of armies. The battle doesn't belong to you. The battle belongs to me. Uh, remember the greatness of of who I am. Um, 
God, a lot of times when he would talk to the Israelites, he would say, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. That was no small task. Uh, in Egypt, you have these plagues uh, because Pharaoh is so stubborn and willful, he won't let the people go. And he said, well, I'll let them go. And then he changes his mind and won't let him go. And finally, the army has to be dead at the bottom of the Red Sea in order for God's purpose to be achieved. And God achieves his purpose. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. And I think it's interesting that God leads them in a really weird way. The Egyptians think they're, that they're confused. They say, hey, he's, they're wandering around in the desert. They don't know where they're going. Let's go get them. And God was actually directing them to the very point next to the Red Sea where the sea would open up and they would walk through on dry ground and the Egyptians would go in after them and the waters would close. I mean, what an amazing thing God accomplished in the exodus of the Israelites. Or how about this? Jesus died on the cross, but on the third day he arose. We are the people of the resurrection. Isn't that a wonderful thing? When you're at your end, when you're at the bottom, can I tell you something? There's nothing uh, emotionally or spiritually or even physically that you can face that our God can't handle. He's the God of the resurrection. <laughs> He's the mighty, great God, the great I am, the one who is faithful and true, all-wise, all-powerful, El Shaddai, the God who provides, he is great, he is mighty, and he is able. He will see us through. Whatever challenges that we're facing, whatever transition we face, whatever difficulty we face, he is great and he is able. So, um, how does God encourage us? Well, in those times of transition... He reminds us of the greatness of who he is. And secondly, he reminds us of the power of his intention. Look at verse 3. He, For I will make you into a great nation there. God has a purpose for Jacob and for his family in the land of Egypt. Egypt was not the most uh, Jewish-friendly place in the world. They were not monotheists. They were uh, polytheists. They worshipped many gods. And uh, they were pagans in the way that they thought and the way that they lived, um, in many ways hostile to the truth taught in God's Word. Have you ever felt that way in your life? Hey, I, you know, how am I going to raise kids in a world like we live in today? How am I going to face the challenges that we're going to face today? Well, God shows us. He has a plan. He has an intention in the midst of all that's going on. You know, one of the things that I think is a bright light in the Old Testament is the story of Ruth and Boaz. Talk about a dark situation. Uh, on, on Ruth's side, she's a Moabitess. She is from a place where they worshipped idols. They did not know the true living God. Boaz lives on the Israelite side of things, but he lives in one of the darkest periods of Israelite history. Just read the book of Judges to find out where to start. 
It is a very dark period. And yet he fears God and he honors God and he fulfills the plan of God for his life in the midst of all that darkness. And Ruth, God brings the two of them together and fulfills his purpose. And guess what? It ends with a line that leads to David. And we know it's a line that leads to Christ. Can I tell you something? God's purposes will be achieved. There's a power to the intention that God has for your life. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. We are kept by the power of God through faith. God has a plan for your life. That encourages me to know that God has an intention. And can I tell you something? We may fail, we may fall on our face at times as Christians, but I want to tell you something. If God has a plan to make us into the likeness of Christ, I love what uh, Romans says. It says we are predestined to be conformed. What? Predestination? What? No, it says predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Can I tell you something? God has predestined me to become like Jesus. If I blow it today, praise God, he's not finished with me yet. He's going to make me into the likeness of Christ. He has an intention that he's going to fulfill in my life. Uh, I think of Gideon. Uh, We mentioned Gideon a week or two ago. But Gideon, I mean, talk about someone you would not think of to be an, uh, an Israelite leader, much less a general, much less somebody who had overcome such an incredible odds, such incredible odds with the Midianites. But God used him. God said, you are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, who, me? <laughs> what? Uh, don't you know I'm the least in my father's house? Don't you know we're in the least tribe? Don't you know I'm in the least family? Let's, we're nobodies. God, how could you use me? God says, I have an intention for you, Gideon. And when I have an intention for one of my people, I bring it to pass. Gideon was not perfect, but God used him to deliver the people. Praise God for the power of his intention. And can I tell you something? God did exactly what he told Jacob he would do. He made him into a great nation. Matter of fact, so great was the number of Jews in Egypt that the Egyptians were intimidated. They said, we got to do something about this Jewish problem because they're everywhere. And if they decide to side with our enemies, we're in serious trouble. We'll be quickly outnumbered and quickly defeated. And so they begin to persecute the Jewish people. But when they do, they just expand all the more. Uh, it's, it's like nothing they can do can stop it. And, and I was reading the other day uh, in the book of Exodus, it said there was a sickening dread that they had in their heart because of what was happening with the Jewish people as God fulfilled his intention. They couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop it. So <clears throat> Pharaoh says, hey, uh, Hebrew midwives, kill these babies, kill, kill the, the male children. And they say, well, uh, they lie uh, to keep from having to commit murder. And they say, well, these Hebrew midwives, they're, you know, they, they have the baby before we get there. Well, Pharaoh then says, well, just throw all the, the Hebrew male children in the river. You're commanded by an edict of the king. Throw them in the river. 
So Moses' mother makes a basket of bulrushes and puts the deliverer of the people of Israel into the Nile. And he raises up to be the greatest leader. He ends up leading them out of Egypt. Listen, they couldn't win. Why? Because God had an intention for his people. God still has an intention for his kingdom in this world. And as long as you and I are taking a breath and the Spirit of God is moving in our lives, God will use us for His purpose. And I love, I love what uh, Jesus told Peter. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, now, the fact that Peter makes this confession about Jesus and his faith in Jesus, and the truth of what he is saying, Jesus says, this is the beginning of faith in me. I'm going to build upon this foundation of faith in me. I'm going to tell you something, the gates of hell can't prevail against it. I was reading this afternoon in, in an email. I get uh, emails uh, from a couple of different groups that do uh, missionary work in the Sudan. And you need to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters over there because they're having a terrible time in one part of Sudan and uh, many Christians are being killed for their faith in Christ and there's just a crisis. They have no way of communicating. Um, but can I tell you something? These kinds of things have happened throughout history and the kingdom of God continues to move forward. Uh, it's amazing to me how in the darkest places of the world, Jesus Christ is still saving sinners. There's still Christian people uh, who are saying, we will not deny the name of Jesus. We will hold on to, to him, no matter what the price, no matter what the cost. And the power of Christ in them is overcoming. And the work of God continues to spread. Uh, Christianity may be in decline in some ways in the U.S. because of our uh, post-Christian mindset and how we have chosen not to put our trust as a nation in the things of God. But I want to tell you, it is exploding in various parts of the world like China and Africa. And uh, God is doing a phenomenal work. Even the Middle Eastern world uh, has seen a great revival See, God's purposes must stand. So we see the encouragement for life's transitions and for the difficulties of life. Uh, God reminds us and encourages us by telling us of the greatness of who he is, the power of his intention, the consistency of his presence. Look at verse 4. Here's another one of those emphatic eyes. They're right there at the beginning of verse 4. I, who? The great I am. I will go down with you to Egypt. And here's another one. I will also bring you back. You see, God's telling him, Jacob, you may be going out of the land of the promise, but I want to tell you something. You can't go away from me. I'm omnipresent. Wherever you go, I'll be with you. Whatever you face, I'm going to be right by your uh, even after death. And isn't it amazing? All these years, he thought his son Joseph was dead. 
But what do we see in the book of Genesis? And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. There's a scripture in the Psalms says, If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. <laughs> it's amazing. Jacob doesn't even know to pray for his sons because he thinks he's dead. But God's carrying for him all the way. God is consistently with Joseph, and he is consistently going to be with Jacob in this situation. So God reminds us he never leaves us or forsakes you. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, well, our God's able to deliver us from the fire, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow, O kings. Now, talk about moxie. I mean, these guys... They got backbones of steel, and God, I'm sure God is, is sustaining them in that. But God, God uh, allows Nebuchadnezzar to be an object lesson to the people of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, in his fury, heats it up seven times hotter, throws them in, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar does a double take. What? How many did we throw in there? I thought there were three. I see four. And one is like a son of the gods. So he calls to them and says, come on out. <laughs> I mean, that must have been surreal. <laughs> you call it into the first, come out. Come on out here and talk to me. Because I definitely am not coming in there. Um, and so uh, they come out. And the only thing that burned up were the bonds that they were tied with. They didn't even smell that smell. Can I, can I tell you something? Our God is able to sustain us and to keep us. I like what Jesus said. No one can pluck them out of my hand. If you're in the hands of the Almighty, that's a good place to be. He is able to protect us. He's able to sustain us in life. So God encourages us. How does he encourage us? He reminds us of the greatness of who he is, of the power of his intention, of the consistency of his presence, of the hope upon his goodness. Look at verse 4. Joseph will close your eyes when you die. It's a practice of the Jews, even to this day, I understand, to uh, have the closest relative close the eyes of that person who dies in the family. And God is making Jacob, Jacob suffered a lot. He thought all these years, he's grieved for years and years and years for his son God's saying, listen, you're not going to have to ever grieve for him again. He's going to close your eyes when you die. And uh, how good is God to restore? He, he thought he would never see his son again. And now he's seeing him. And he's going to see him. And he's going to be with him for the remainder of his life. Uh, <clears throat> God is so faithful uh, to be good to us. I, you know, there's trouble, there's heartache, there's even persecution in this life, but there are times where God just shows us a measure of his goodness and brings his encouragement. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And listen, there's going to be a great morning one day when God sends his son to get us. And uh, what a joy that's going to be. But, but we are, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Why is that? Because we belong to God. We're his 
sons and daughters. And that confidence in God's goodness that sometimes we see it now, uh, we definitely see it in the relationship that we have with him. One day we will see it in all its fullness and God will wipe away all tears from, from our eyes and there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more pain or death. And, uh, and we will enter into all of the good preparations that God has made for us. There's a hope, there's a confident expectation in his goodness. Um, Jacob had seen that God had been faithful to Abraham. Uh, he was still alive when Abraham lived. I mean, they, he would have been young. But uh, Isaac also was an example to Jacob. God was faithful to his father Isaac. Uh, and then he, he sees how God has worked in his life and that all this time he thought God had forsaken him, but God was actually preparing to deliver him and to do good for him and to do good for his family and to take care of them in a special way during an extreme crisis. God was good. So he has this hope. And, and as he's on the edge of Beersheba, about to enter into this time of transition uh, and adjustment into his life, God reminds him of his goodness. And tells him, listen, this is your promise. Joseph will close your eyes. God's a personal God, isn't he? What was it that Jacob valued? He's an old man. I mean, he's probably got some health, but uh, he's been wealthy for a long time. And he's about, to, he's about to die, so he's probably not all that concerned about his wealth. What he cared about was his kids, and, and he especially cared about Joseph. Now, we can argue about whether or not he should have had favorites in his family. That's, I don't think that's a good idea. But God knew his heart. And so how does God bless him? He gives him the thing he wants most of all. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that a great promise? So the hope of God's goodness gives us encouragement. <clears throat> So God encourages us in life's transitions and difficulties. Why or how? By uh, reminding us of the greatness of who he is, the power of his intention, the consistency of his presence, the hope upon his goodness, and the help of his preparation. Look at verse 5. Jacob left Beersheba. The sons of Israel took their father Jacob in the wagons Pharaoh had sent to carry him along with their dependents and their wives. And so, the Hebrew uh, mentions that the kids and the wives are being taken, but it emphasizes the fact that this is done for Jacob, that God had made preparations for Jacob. Um, <clears throat> Jacob's an old man. He's weak, he's tired, he's worn out, he's had, he's had two wives fighting against each other. Uh, well, you know, and then you count the concubines. All of them are, uh, there's issues, there's problems. His sons, there's been constant trouble between them. Two of his sons killed an entire village. 
He's had a lot of issues. I mean, that'd be a good fodder uh, for one of those talk shows uh, we see on TV. Uh, he's old. He's tired. He's, he's been through an emotional ringer. He doesn't have the strength to walk or even to ride a donkey to Israel. I mean, to uh, Egypt. And so God prepares the way for him. And how does he do it? He uses a pagan king. I love that. Pharaoh's nickel ends up bringing the children of Israel to the land of Egypt to fulfill God's purpose. Can I tell you something? God, he is able to prepare the way for us in the times of transition in our life, the times of difficulty in our life, he knew exactly what Jacob needed. Maybe there have been times in your life, there have definitely been those times in my life where I didn't know what I needed. But God and his grace and his goodness did know. God is able to prepare us for the times of difficulty and struggle. And... Uh, uh, even when phones go wrong. And, so, <laughs> and uh, uh, God, can, God can provide us for, uh, for us in those times of difficulty. And, you know, he prepares the way. Uh, there's a scripture where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, you know, he says, those who, who leave father or brothers or sister lands or so forth for the gospel will receive a hundredfold in this life and in the age to come eternal life. This idea of a hundredfold. Um, you know what I've noticed? My first pastorate was in Texas. At the time, my parents were in Illinois. Can I tell you something? God gave me a father figure in the land of Texas. <laughs> and uh, he also gave others, I like sister, a sister figure and a brother figure and all these different things. As, as I'm there in a strange place, away from my family, God knew exactly what I needed and he provided it. He prepared the way for me. Can I tell you something? A couple of the key people in my previous church that helped me, God knew they needed to be in that church to help me while I was there. They're no longer at that church. Both of them, have, both those families have moved off and moved away. Uh, but God knew they needed to be there. Can I tell you, I believe God prepared the way. And I believe he prepared the way for me to come here. And he prepared you for this time in your life. Esther is struggling. She, she's recognized that uh, Haman has made a plot to destroy her people. And she's reluctant to go to the king because those Persian kings were kind of arbitrary. And if they didn't extend the, the uh, scepter, you'd be put to death. It didn't matter who you were. And so uh, she, she, uh, she's talking to her, to her uh, relative Mordecai. And he says, well, hey, what if God has put you here for such a time as this? What if God orchestrated the circumstances of your life to put you exactly where you are at exactly this time for God's purpose. What if God has prepared the way for you to be delivered by putting you exactly where you are? For such a time as this. 
I believe God prepares His people for the times in which they live. You and I are in a time of history. God, did you know God didn't put you in another time of history? You said, well, no, yeah, of course. Uh, God, I believe God puts us in the specific time of history, in the specific family. Some of you may say, well, he put me in my family. But he, I believe he does that. He, put you, uh, he puts us where we are for a reason. And he prepares the way. Sometimes the way is prepared through the challenges that we face. And God grows us and prepares us for other purposes he has. But God gives us help through his preparation. I love the fact that God sent a cart with Jacob's name on it. And it wasn't just any cart. It was the best that Egypt could buy to carry him to Egypt. Because that's what he needed. So when you go through a time of transition or when you go through a time of difficulty in your life or there's some challenge that has come upon your life that you just don't, are not sure you can handle, take comfort in the fact that God is with you and that he loves you and that he can prepare the way uh, and help you reach the other side and fulfill his purpose. This is what he does for his children. And of course... Uh, he has prepared the way for those who don't know Christ to know him through his son, Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved at the cross and rose again and uh, bore our sin and our wrath in our place so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. And if you need to make that decision tonight to give your heart to Christ and receive his gift of eternal life, I encourage you to do that. Um, I know most of us here are probably believers, but um, I always like to issue that invitation. Uh, perhaps you're here and you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're going through a time of transition and you're struggling with that. Uh, maybe you just need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you for this time of transition. I don't understand it. I'm not sure about it. But I'm going to trust you that you have a plan and that you're going to be with me in this time. If you need prayer, I'll be here at the front. Let's pray. Lord, Lord we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for preparing us for those times of transition that come in our lives, for guiding us and speaking into our lives, and uh, also, God, for uh, just the fact that your presence is with us, Lord, that, that comforts us so much. And uh, thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose in our lives and multiple purposes that you're working out. And uh, you're accomplishing your will and your plan.